Good morning. The text I'm going to be coming from this morning, I'll just have you turn there before we read it. Um, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. I was thinking this morning how here we are going into 2020. And I was thinking, how many times does that like happen where the same numbers, like 17, 17, 18, 18, 19, 19 20, every 100 years? Never thought growing up, those of you in the 60s and 70s watching those science fiction movies, talking about 2020, and here we are, right here. But to look at basically this decade that I've lived, in the decade that you've lived, and what has God done in my life? What has God not done in my life because I haven't allowed him to have access to me? I'm, I'm a Christian, but I, I hold him off. And then what, what is the next decade if the Lord tarries? What will that be like? The title of this message this morning is talking about a love affair that we need. A love affair that we need. If ever there was a topic that was most thought about, written about, talked about, and sung about, it's love. It defies definition. Uh, but one thing is clear. Everyone knows that love is something they need. All of us want to, to be loved and to love. But we tried a lot of times everything to find love. The 60s and the 70s and going into the 80s, you, you know, you were seeking love and a lot of times in the wrong places and the damage that it did to a lot of us, you know, um, what we thought was love in a physical way, how it affected us in our mental capacities and, and physically and all those things, looking for love, wanting to be loved and wanting to give love and not having a clue how that happens. Because the author of our life is God and God is love. When you know God, then you know what true love is. And for like the young people, you don't have to go looking for, if you're satisfied in Christ, you don't have to look to some girl or some guy to give you what you already have in him. And yes, there is marriage and all that, but first of all, you're satisfied to begin with, with him. And those things just complement what God uh, wants to do in your life. Talking about free love, but there's another love affair that works and is necessary it's a love affair with God, and I want to say it clearly this morning, it should be our top priority, our love affair with God, and how does that work? It's different than knowing God or knowing about God. James says the demons believe there's a God. But that is not a trusting and a true belief in Jesus Christ. And so you come to the place where do I really understand? I want to just I want to be clear this morning so that you that you grasp what I'm trying to say and how and how how do I show the love of God and how do I how do you know, you know, I was thinking of this this week. Why is it 
that some people love God more than others. Because it's a fact. There, there's people in this room that love God more than someone else here. You're, you're, you can be a Christian, but there's others that love him on another level. They love him intensely where someone else doesn't. They're both going to heaven, but while they're here on this earth, why is it that one person loves God more than another? Just think about that in your mind. Why? Why is it that that person loves God more than me? And I'm going to explain that as, as I go, go along here. But here is uh, the text, Mark chapter 12, starting in um, verse 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceived that he had answered, talking about Jesus, them well, and asked Jesus, what is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. The second is like naming this, Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. There is none other commandment greater than these, these two. And the scribe said, Well, Master, you have said the truth. There is one God and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Verse 34, And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And no person asked him any other question. This, this scribe was truly interested. Jesus gave the two well-known commandments that are in the Old Testament. Love God and love your neighbor. I'm focusing on loving God this morning. Loving God is the catalyst for a dynamic spiritual life. Loving God. When your relationship with God gets broken, your, your life with him is not where it should be. Staying in love with him. I'll say it again. Staying in love with him. And how do you keep staying in love with God? What I, what's been going through my mind in the last year, I share with Pastor Jeff, is like, what is idolatry? And we think of statues and things looking, we think of India and all these idolatrous things. What is idolatry sometimes that we do as Christians is we have an image in our mind of what we want God to be and so that we can live the way we want to live and we, and we set up God the way that we want him to be. And we actually can find some verses that will justify it instead of really coming to the Bible and coming to the place where this is who God is and this is who I must worship, not this concept in my mind. We all do it, and we all do it to, to a degree. We can justify anything, and there's people who can justify those things just coming up with verses, verses out of nowhere and say, this is why, instead of really being open and to seeing what God wants to do. And a lot of these songs that we sang this morning, talking about salvation, talking about grace, and talking about surrendering. Why is it that I wouldn't love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Is there something better? out there spirits willing the flesh is weak 
The flesh is there. The flesh battles that. The loving God. I know God's going to wipe away every tear when we get to heaven. There's going to be no condemnation. But I got a strange feeling before that happens, we're going to feel, man, I wish I loved God a lot more than I did. And somehow we can think I can love God. Uh, it has nothing to do with what I do. Well, James says faith without works is dead. There has to be something coming out of your life that shows that you love him. Oh, we don't want to hear that, but it's the truth. Why is there a judgment seat of Christ? Why is there a place where we're going to be judged for what we did for him? I wrestle with this as much as you do, and I'm up here and you're down there, but I'm not talking down to you. I wrestle with those same things. What's it really going to be like? before I get into heaven, I know in my heart, I want to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, strength. And I believe you want it too. But we get distracted. Loving God. Uh, Revelation 2, verses 2 through 5. This is the Spirit of Jesus talking to the church, the Ephesian church. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I'll come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. He's talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. What happened? Doing a lot of stuff, but they lost their first love. They lost their love for him. How can that be possible? It's very possible. You can come to church every week. You can go through all the motions and not have a love for God. I was religious most of my life before I got saved. I was going to church. I was doing that. Yeah, my, my body was there, but my heart wasn't there. That's just religion, and the world is filled with religion. A church can be large, can be doctrinally pure, can be hardworking, but all that is meaningless without a love affair with God. When we lack the motivation and passion, I haven't arrived, you haven't arrived, I'm not saying I've arrived, I'm just saying that's the bar, that's what we're looking for, to have that intense love for him. Because when that happens, that's when the world sees Christianity. That's when the world sees God, when you have that passion and love. And so the enemy, as would be crazy not to take that class, his job is to suck the life out of you so that you don't experience that. Satan hates God, and Satan hates those that love God. So there's your, there's your opposition right there. He's going to come at you when you love God. But God, if we submit ourselves to God and resist the devil, he'll flee. He doesn't, the demons don't hang around when you are resisting. They'll go somewhere else. So it's not like it's a constant thing, but you have to show resistance and submission to God. So the first point here is to love God with all devotion.
We have that, Grant? Okay. Love God with a pure devotion. He's talking about our heart here. Loving God with all your heart. Deuteronomy 10, 12. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. This is not, these aren't my words, these are God's words. Loving him with all of your heart. Longing to be with him. I'm going to show you some scriptures. 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. A heart that's devoted to him. It's the top priority in your life. It supersedes your wife. It supersedes your husband. It supersedes your kids. It supersedes everything that you love God with all your heart. Because in the end, that's all that's really going to matter. Do you love God? Well, that's, you know, I got to, yeah, you still love your wife. You still love your husband. But in comparison, Jesus said it was like hatred, loving me versus them. Because without him, you have nothing anyway. He's given you everything. And so we love him with all of our heart. A faithfulness to him. And then the experience of pure devotion. Remember when you were first saved? Remember when you first got converted? Remember when you first became a believer? That love that you had for God, that passion you had for God, the passion you had for Jesus Christ, you want to tell people about him? Well, for some of us, where did it go? The world, the flesh, and the devil come in to drain you of that life. We should be more on fire than we were when we got saved. We know so much more about his grace and his mercy. And yet what happens is, we all do, we find ourselves, we get a little more sophisticated. You know, we don't talk about Jesus the way we used to. We don't want to offend anybody. You know, we got, we're, we're careful. We're, basically, we're fearful. And so it, it comes into a place where we don't have that zeal like we used to do. And the zeal doesn't come from your flesh. The zeal comes from the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. That, that's what he wants to do. But we're holding it and, and kind of quenching that. First John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. That's why we love God. Because he first loved us. I'm going to show you this morning, you know, why do some people love God more than others? We don't forget that. We love him because he first loved us. We never forget and we never want to forfeit that first love that we had. That can happen just because of walking with God. Sometimes you're fatigued. Sometimes you're beaten down by the trials of life. You're, you're suffering through things. All those things happen in our lives. But they're not to keep us down and, and to quench us. Those, trust, those trials and those tests are to make us stronger. Stronger. What happens, though, is we can become a casualty because of those things. 
The second thing is that the Lord our love God with with a heart that's full of passion, with all of our soul. He said, all your heart, all your soul. The soul speaks of our emotions. There's nothing wrong with emotions. Our emotion, emotions are good, as long as they're under the control of the Holy Spirit. And every one of you has a different personality. Every, God's created you all uniquely different, and he can use you in how he's made you. Your ethnic and cultural background, he uses everything. And some here are more emotional, some more, are more passionate than others. It could be just their personality, but it can still be a burning fire within you that you love him with all your soul, with all your emotions. And I'm not saying that you don't, or not saying that you do. That's the shoe fits, wear it. It's, it's up to, between you and God. But the point is, do I love him with all my emotions? Do I rejoice when others rejoice? Do I weep when others weep? Lord, give me a heart. Give me your heart. Holy Spirit, give me a heart that you have. Loving God. We ought to be emotional about our love for God. Hot-hearted, passionate, consuming love. And I don't mean craziness, but I mean like, okay, I'm sure the worship team is up here wondering when people are really going to worship. I can't show any emotions. I'm from New England. (laughs) I can't do any of that. I can't raise my hand. Now, I've just been going through the book of Psalms. It's like everything is praise God, praise God, praising, praising. In your, in your trials, praising him, praising him. Yeah, things are done decently in order, but there's praise to him. Those are our emotions. I would think I would be the last person to raise my hand in a church way back. But, you know, I saw other people doing that, and I felt that in my heart, but I don't know. I just couldn't get my hand up. But, you know, the Spirit of God will loosen you up. Psalm 119.2. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. I've talked to a few people recently, and what I notice is that they've got issues, they want help, but they're really not desperate for God. I mean desperate. You know like when you're really desperate and you're in a bad situation? You are desperate. They want, they want what God has to do, but they don't want to really seek him, and they don't, they're not desperate for him. You can bring them to the water, but you can't make them drink. They've got to be thirsty. They've got to be, I mean, I was desperate to be saved. I know I was empty inside. I was depressed. I couldn't figure out why am I so empty. I thought I had what the world said was good and be empty. I was desperate. Your whole soul and your, and your whole mind what we find is that our culture is growing more and more cynical every day. 
People are disillusioned. They become apathetic. What is apathy? Apathy is something that's without passion. When you're apathetic, it's like... One quote I found is that Charlie Brown was talking to Lucy. He, re he remarked about the tragedy of so much apathy in the world today. Lucy responded, yeah, it's terrible, but who cares? That's the way the world beats you down. Like, who cares? What can I do about that? Who cares? And what you find out is most of the people in the world who aren't believers, they're all for themselves. They really, really don't care about you. I mean, if you haven't come to that realization, live a little longer. Who really cares for me? Who really, really cares for me? And then sometimes... Nothing against the church. You can be disappointed in church. And so I thought these people cared for me. And what happens when people don't love people the way they think they should be loving the church? They end up leaving. But it's just like, who cares? Jesus cares. That's, that's where my rock is him. That's what's going to keep you in the storm. You look to people. You look to the church to get you through something, and it'll, you'll be disappointed not negative towards the church. God has brought us together. But let's face reality. Jesus is your source. Because there is going to be a shaking coming down. The enemy is shaking and, and people are falling to the side in casualties. The strong are going to make it through. The strong in him, not in their flesh. 2 Timothy 3.4 Last days, people will be traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. People are talking to the church. They're going to love pleasure more than God. Well, that, that's not me. I just check myself in the mirror. Check yourself. Do I love certain pleasures more than I love God? This is kind of how it's lived. It's like I... I live my life the way I live, the way I want to live. I go to church over here, and I do that, and then I go back and I live my life the way I live my life. And I seek those things that the world seeks. I don't know if you'd come to that place, but there is nothing in this world that can satisfy me. You can through Christ, but there is nothing. I can enjoy things that God has given me for the fruit of my labors, but in the end, that's not the bottom line that's going to give me total satisfaction. It's only God. People are disillusioned. Psalm 73, I saw this verse this morning, Psalm 73, 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? Is there none upon earth that I desire besides you? Is there none upon earth that I desire besides you? This, 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 this is like, for me, I don't know, for you, it's like, once again, a wake-up call. Like, I'm going into 2020, I want to love God more than I ever loved him. And what is that going to take? And it's not like, oh my goodness, this is going to be so hard. It's going to be a lot of work. Yeah, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, you're gonna put in what you've got to put in, but are you kidding me what you're going to get out of it? We want easy street. 
We want to go easy and get all that God has. And sometimes, you know, the way is narrow and straight. Few there be that find it. Few. Look at these verses in the Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 1, verse 2. No? You can check it out yourself. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2. Chapter 2, verse 14. Chapter 4, 9. Talking about this love affair with God. Real love is passionate love. To love God with all your soul means that we must be involved with all of our emotions, all that we are. Oh, I don't want to get all. I don't want to get all involved. I'm going to get hurt. Well, yeah, you're going to get hurt sometimes. Oh, I want to step back and play it safe. There is no safe place. We have things from the past that we can't even get close to people because they burned us. It's like I understand that, but we we break through that barrier. We're securing God. What's, what's someone going to do? Say something bad about me or not like me? I mean, in the end, you know, as Mike was saying before service, are we people pleasers? Are we looking for satisfaction from people and be, and be liked by people? Jesus wasn't. He was hated. They put him on a cross. But he had the love of the Father. Jeremiah 29, 13. So let you see these scriptures. And you will seek me and find me when you search with me with all your heart. You will find God when you search with him with all your heart. What we want to say is, I can't find God. Well, because you're not searching him with all your heart. You're not seeking him desperately. I know, for me, what it's going to take and what the cost is going to be, and I'm going to have to seek him, and it's going to be not according to my schedule sometimes. He may wake you up in the middle of the night, and you think you got insomnia, and it's just like he wants to spend like two hours with you. Like the other night, I was up like, I think I slept like one hour, and I was like, why can't I sleep? Instead of trying to fight it, you just, okay, God, what's going on here? And you're seeking him, and you're praying, and you're, and you're available. It's going to take you out of your comfort zone. But I want to assure you this morning, it's worth every bit of what it takes. Loving God. The third thing is um, loving him. Thoroughly considered, love God with all your mind. See, these are separate things. Your heart, your soul, now it's your mind. God, God fully intends for our mind to be involved in our love for him. Some, sometimes our mind can be a hindrance. Sometimes our mind can be something that distracts us from God. That's why we have to get this word into our head. Because this is his mind. 
And when you're thinking with his mind, you're thinking according to God's will. And you're not going to be shaken in your mind. I mean, we could, I could sit here and talk all day about, you know, which is first? Um, people have a chemical imbalance because of their thinking is wrong? Or is their thinking wrong because they have a chemical imbalance? Nobody can give you that answer. I was in that counseling field for 30 years. It's just like someone can have a theory, but it's just like what really triggered all that, the chicken or the egg? Me personally, I think a lot of times, not all the time, it's your way of thinking that triggers your body to do things, chemically to do things. If I sat here and, and from now on I started thinking depressing thoughts every day, eventually my body, my chemicals are going to be off. That's the truth, and that's why you need, you know, it says in Psalm 1, don't put yourself under the counsel of the ungodly. People sometimes can tell you things, professional counselors, and it's not true. They're good at diagnosing, but how do I get out of this mess? It takes, this, it takes God. It's either he's the answer or he's not. A mind committed to Christ and being transformed by its renewing power can be a tremendous asset to God. Romans 12.2 Don't be conformed to this world. The world is trying to form you the way they want you to think. Just watch commercials, watch everything. They're trying to form your brain into thinking the way they want you to think. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A transformed mind, a transformed way of thinking. The word of God has the power to change your way of thinking from what it was before. And a lot of you can testify to that. I used to think this way, and how come I don't think that way anymore? Because the word of God is quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword, it gets right down, where, don't ask me how, but probably changes the synapses in your brain where you're starting to, things are changing biologically inside of you because of the word of God. Amen? Either we believe that it's true or not. That's why there's hope in Christ, as we was sung and prayed this morning. We have hope. A mind committed to God will allow God to pour his wisdom and knowledge into us. Allow the, allowing this to pour wisdom and knowledge. Now, I was thinking about this the other day. They say we use like 10 or 20% of our brain. But they're, they're talking about a normal situation, maybe. What about the person who's born again? I think God increases your capacity in your brain to think differently and to think in depths that you can't even believe. Amen? I call it mind expansion. Really. Giving you wisdom, giving you discernment, giving you insight, giving you clarity, where the world can't even figure out how you came up with that, how you could think like that that supersedes doctors and psychologists and anybody. How did you, oh, that's, that's not the way beyond common sense. It's the, it's the mind of Christ in you. It's supernatural. That's what you have inside of you. 
You see things that the world can't see. You talk to people and you hear them really what they're really saying, not the words that they're saying, but you hear something else. You're able to diagnose things and hear people and communicate and understand by, they said that, but I, the Spirit's telling you they really meant this. You're able to see with clarity. Loving God with all your mind. You give your mind over to God. He will work with you and he will change your way of thinking. Yeah. Mind expansion. So the question is, why do some... Why do some people love God more than others? This is just my perception of, of my opinion of what I see. And, I, and, I, and it was reinforced when I saw the song that they sang this morning. We love God because he first loved us. Okay? And so then, when we truly understand, I think when Paul says grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is we get something we don't deserve. And I think the people who love God more than others, they got, a, they got an insight into this grace of God. And they realize how, even as a Christian, there's so the potential for being so sinful and, and the depravity of themselves, even as in their flesh, they just they understand the mercy and grace of God. So if you're, if you're someone who feels, yeah, God saved me and by his grace, and then you operate in your own self, you don't, you don't understand. You're not going to have that love for God because you're going to still think it's part of you that's pulling this off. When you understand how depraved you are, you understand that, and the Holy Spirit will do that, and then you will appreciate this grace and this mercy, and you will love God more and more and more and more. The longer you walk with God, you should be getting in a place where I, I need him. I'm desperate. I don't care how long I've been a Christian. I can't make this. I'm holding on. I'm holding on, for, I'm holding on to him. I love you, God. Thank you that you've had mercy on me. Thank you that you've, you've had grace on me. I could, tomorrow, I could be way, way out there. Please keep me. From my perspective, there's some people who grasp that, or maybe you're a newer Christian, you haven't grown to that place, but then there's some of us who are kind of proud and think, I can do this myself. I have God, but I can do this myself too. How many of us operate like that? Yeah, God wants us to do things. God wants us to cooperate with his power, with him. And he knows who's doing what and who's not doing it. Loving God, understanding his grace, I can't believe like how every, as time goes on, oh my goodness, I deserve hell. I deserve to be in hell.
for the life I've lived and what I've done, and even now knowing Jesus, the things that I've, I've thought of, and thank you for no condemnation and grace. I love you, God. To love God in all that we do. The, the, the fourth thing is here, a fully lived out life. In other words, the last thing is all our strength. Colossians 3, 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. The verse 23. And whatever you do, do it heartily to the Lord, not to men, knowing that from the Lord you shall receive the reward of your inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. And 24. You receive the reward of your inheritance. In other words, a lived-out life. You see that? One person said, you see, Christianity that is just in the heart and the head may be either sentimentalism or intellectualism. In other words, a life fully lived out for God. I can emotionally feel great about that and intellectually understand that, but unless I put it into action... Unless there's obedience to that, it doesn't amount to a hill of beans, really. For Christianity to be alive, it must be lived out. It makes faith the most powerful force in the world. And this is what Jesus said in John 14. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Whoa. He who has my commandments or my word and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. There's a correlation between keeping his word and love. Works doesn't save us. Having um, a works mentality out of the flesh doesn't do much. But 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 a love that's driven by the Holy Spirit is put into action. It's put into action. It's like me saying, I love you, and I don't really do one thing for you. It's not real. And I'm not trying to get you on a works program, but it'll be a, it'll be a faith that works by love. It'll be driven by the Holy Spirit because you want to do it, not because you have to. Please don't walk away from your thing. I have to. No. He'll, the Spirit will give you, I want to. I want to do this. I have this. This is pleasurable for me. The want to thing is, is religion. I got to do this. I got to. God will love me more. No, he won't. He loves you as much as he's going to love you. He's not going to love you any less or any more. He loves you. But how is that lived out in your life? You can believe what you want. Nobody is bothered. But to live it out may not be accepted. Oh, yeah, you talk about it. We don't, that doesn't bother us. If you start living out Christianity in front of people that hate God... That's going to bother them. 
The question is, through God, can we take the heat that comes with that? For the Christian faith, one person said to be life-changing, world-altering force, it must be lived out in the lives of those who believe. Otherwise, it makes no difference. He saved us for a reason. To bring glory and honor to him. And he's going to use us as lights in a dark world. He chooses to use us to reveal the gospel to people, to tell them, so that they'll know that they'll have an opportunity to hear. And and in loving each other, and in so many ways, he uses us. He uses the church. He uses the body of Christ. Grant, did I have 1 John 5, 3? For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. That's what I'm saying. They're not burdensome. It's like we want to do it. Because God put the desire inside of us to do it. Whatever, however you serve God, you, you enjoy it because he's put the desire, he's worked in you, and you work it out. You can say, well, he doesn't want to really use me. No, he wants to use every one of you. He's gifted every one of you, and he'll use you. Loving God. To truly love God, you must love him with all your strength. Obviously, right here, everyone is going to say, I can't do any of this. This is too hard. Exactly. That's why you need God, the Holy Spirit, to do it. You can't do it. Say, Lord, I can't, but I want to. I want to do this. And you think he's going to say, nah, I don't think I really want to use you. Are you kidding me? A distinctive Christian lifestyle must be evident in the way you live your life, conduct your business, function on the job, deal with your children, your wife, your husband. It's lived out. Doers of the word, not hearers. I'm coming to a close here, so hang in there. Um, Not just hearers of the word, but doers. If you're a hearer and you don't do anything, what does James say? You're deceived. That's how you get deceived. You take all this information in, you don't do anything about it. That's how you can, yeah, I heard it. That's good enough. God, help me put it into action. The scribe had the insight that Jesus was talking to. Jesus says, you're not far. You're not far, but you're not in. That's a problem sometimes for a person who's not a believer. They understand what you're saying, but they're not in. They haven't put their faith and trust in Christ. They know about him. That's not going to save you. The demons have heard about Jesus. Far but not in. An intellectual belief is not enough. You must be willing to act on it. Again, not far, but not in. That's if you're here this morning and and you don't really believe this You can understand what I'm saying to a degree and you 
give mental assent to it, but you, you're not in. You haven't put your faith in Christ to be saved. And I think what you saw here is kind of like what mainstream Christianity is now, symbolism, the symbolism in what the scribe was saying. He gave mental assent to the facts of the word, yet he never gave himself to God. 2 Timothy 3.5 Having a form of godliness, but denying its power from such people turn away. They have a form. It looks, it looks like Christianity, but it really isn't. It's religious, but it lacks the power. Having a form Going to church, going through the motions. I was surrounded by that my whole life growing up before I got saved. Going to church. How is that guy going up there receiving communion? I know how he lives. It's like, I know better than him, but this is something's wrong here. Having a form of godliness. Just do this, this, and this. Go to church and don't do those other things, but, you know, just go to church and you'll make it. You'll be okay. That's where this guy was at. Jude 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. It's, it's telling us, keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in God's love. Keep loving him. Well, I got a lot of problems, and I don't think that's right what's happened to me, and I think that's not fair, and, you know, how does God, does God love me? Really? Let these things happen? Because of that, I'm, I don't love them as much as I used to. Wrong thinking. That's why you got to stay in his word. And then you're thinking like him. I don't want to think like myself. I want to think like him. So what is the top priority in your life? To simply believe he is important may bring us close, but will leave us on the outside. The four, the, the four points. Live a life of God that is genuinely devoted, full of passion, thoroughly considered the mind, and fully lived with all our strength. Grant, did I have 1 Corinthians 16, 22? Yeah, this is kind of a scary verse. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. And that word, when I looked it up, accursed means let him be detested or loathed. If any man does not love the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we just thank you. We praise your name this morning. Thank you that you first loved us. I pray that we never forget that. Because you first loved us, we in turn love you, God. Holy Spirit, just stir up in us this love for you once again. With all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and strength, God, I just pray that 2020, that 
will be a changed decade for a lot of us. Lord, it just wouldn't be for this moment, but we would make the changes that have to be made. Our part, and then cooperating with the power of your Holy Spirit, it'll all come to pass. Lord, we want to we wanna fall more in love with you. When we fall more in love with you, everything else, seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added. We will be able to love people. We'll be able to share your gospel with people. That love that will be burning inside of us, just as we saw through that video, your people worldwide that love you. We're not alone. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know this love. He loves you. Jesus Christ died on a cross for you. That's God's love. He sent the Son to die for you. And he raised him from the dead to show that his sacrifice was enough to satisfy the Father so you don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven by putting your faith and trust in him. Jesus wants you saved. He wants you to be, he wants you to be with him forever. Maybe if you've never had, you could say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart this morning and save me. I want to know this love. Lord Jesus, save me. If that's you, eyes are closed, and that's your decision, lift up your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. If there's anyone here who needs to accept Christ into their life for the first time, don't be ashamed of, of that decision. Say, Lord Jesus, come in and save me. And he will. If that's you, just put your hand up and put it down, I'll pray for you. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us another day to live for you. Encourage us as brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, we all, we all want to love you more. But we know that when we, when we grow in that grace, we're going to continue to understand how great this love that you have for us, and we fall more in love with you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. All the glory to you. Amen.